everyone. I'm Brenda Viola with Lymphopress, and I'm excited to bring you another inspiring lymphedema patient story. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Deborah Carson, and she has amazing photos on Instagram showing how fit she is. Deborah, it's so nice to have you here today. Thank you. How'd you find out you had lymphedema? Um, okay. It's a long story, I guess, but um, I'm sure everybody's is <laughs> to some extent. I was 21 when I found out I had lymphedema and now 40. So um, at that time I was running division one um, college track. I was a sprinter at the University of Northern Iowa. And I had a lump in my upper left groin that had just kind of appeared. Um, and I was, I was pretty proactive about injuries and anything that seemed out of uh, whack because I wanted to perform my best say at that time I was a I was a junior at, the, at that time so pretty pretty into doing well um, in my sport and so I got it looked at by um, trainers doctors I even got MRIs and it was kind of came up with being subcutaneous fat um, but regardless it was getting in the way of sprinting it kind of hindered my range of motion especially when I was sprinting shorter distances. So um, at the end of my junior season, I opted to have it removed um, from my upper groin um, to basically return to form for my senior year, um, ready to go, ready to leave my mark. Um, but there was swelling after the surgery, um, which was typical, they said. Um, it was a very minor surgery, you know, it's just a little, it was a lump in my upper groin. It was probably about this size. Um, and um, it just never went, went away completely. Um, but I did what some athletes do. And to some extent, I just ignored it and continued and started my fall track. Um, so I had a little swelling in fall track and I just, it'll go away is kind of my thought but it was one workout it was if you are a sprinter and if I say you're running seven 250s you should want to instead maybe run 10 miles it's that hard to run seven times 250 meters with about three minutes rest between it sounds easy but oh no it does not sound easy. <laughs> it sounds better than running 10 miles and I swear to you I would rather run 10 miles but um very hard workout um and at that time, I had started my cycle. So I had a lot going on, which wasn't a big deal as a woman. We deal with a lot, and that's just something you deal with. Um, but I did notice it seemed heavy and didn't think anything of it. When I got to the workout, I was concentrated on trying to hit my split times. I did amazing. I crushed the workout. I, I did awesome. I, I felt like a sense of accomplishment. Walked myself to the weight room to go lift weights. As I was about to lift weights, I was looking in the mirror and I was looking at my leg about to squat and I, it looked like something was oozing down my leg um, under my skin because I was wearing shorts so I could see on my left leg, which was crazy. And I was like, this mirror is something is wrong with this mirror. And then I looked at my leg in real life and I was like, wow, this is happening in real life. So it was like a slow moving wave of fluid making its way down my leg. Um, 
And of course I alerted the trainers. Everyone thought I had a blood clot, you know, I wish I had a blood clot. <laughs> I remember wishing that was all it was and that, yes, that's it. Let's fix it so I can once again move on with my life. Um, but, you know, there, that wasn't a blood clot. And then just fast forward to no one really knowing what it was. And my mom, I lived, at, I was from Minnesota. I was going to school in Iowa. My mom in Minnesota was very worried. So she contacted my doctors that I used to see when I was doing sports here in Minnesota. So I immediately drove home, went to the University of Minnesota the next morning and met with some specialists and they're like, you have lymphedema. So that's how I was at 21, got lymphedema, like got lymphedema, I guess you can say. So this condition often, a triggering event will produce it. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. You had a triggering event yeah. that showed what was there all the time. And that's yeah. the difference between primary and secondary. Secondary is it develops after a surgical intervention or something like that. But primary can be hidden all those years. Yes. And then this triggering event. Now, you just recently found out, though, that it was primary, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and it's, it's been very interesting um, because if you would have asked me a few months ago what my motivation and what my reason, and I think that these kind of things I'm talking about right now are things that when you have lymphedema, you need. You need a reason. You need a why. And you need kind of like to have a constitution about yourself to, to kind of tackle and, and go to bat with lymphedema da daily, you know? And so I had, I had this constitution I had written about myself, which was that I thought I had secondary lymphedema. I thought something had happened to me. Maybe I thought we thought it was maybe the surgery of taking the lipoma is what they decided it was a lipoma out of my upper groin. Or, you know, just basically the, the lipoma itself forming there, damaging my lymph nodes. Um, whatever the reason was, it was something that happened to me. And the end result was still the same as that I had lymphedema. So I was more focused on the fact that I had lymphedema. It wasn't going away. How do I manage this? And I didn't really dive too much into the fact that it was, in my mind, secondary versus primary. You know what I mean? So... Um, for all these years, it was something that happened to me, which is just a different motivation for the things that uh, transpired after um, being diagnosed. But um, yeah, it was um, it was it was a hard like whirlwind when I walked out of the University of Minnesota, and they gave me like a really quick tutorial on how to wrap my leg, and they measured me for garments, and I walked out, and I had like you know bags of foam and compression bandages and and I was like mom's like okay you're gonna go back to school and then tell them that you can't run track and I was like I, I guess so you know and that was that was really hard I had to I wasn't hadn't even started my senior season yet because it was like in the it was like just past fall track and track usually starts um winter indoor and then spring outdoor track and so I was like yeah I'm a full ride sprinter here and I'm not gonna run because apparently I'm not supposed to do anything too strenuous for my leg. I have no idea what this is. How and, overwhelming and yeah. how heartbreaking. It was just like hitting a brick wall of like life change, you know, like you're an athlete, not anymore, you know, 
and uh, an Division One full scholarship athlete felt pretty felt pretty guilty just to sit at the sidelines and not do anything. But I also was a little in denial and was kind of hoping that my body would like figure itself out and maybe I would like not have this. Can we just not have this? You know, it was a, a really abrupt thing. And then also the, the death sentence of there's no cure and this is forever. And I'm like, so. I think you bring up an important point, which is, you know, we all know this, the stages of grief Yeah. and in an instant, this diagnosis and this condition changed your life and it took some time to process it, yeah. let alone learn how to manage it. Yeah. So here you are in your senior year. Mm -hmm. Did you not, you didn't run? I didn't run. I mean, I, 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 I spent a lot of time getting out of denial, deciding, you know, do I wrap every night? Do I wear this garment every day? Um, and, you know, being female, I, I was single at the time, 20, 21, 22. It, there's like a whole vanity piece of, do I wear shorts? Do I, but if I wear shorts, I just won't wear a garment. And then I won't wear a garment and then obviously I'll pay. Like, it was just like, it was, you know, very like, I knew I had it, but I also was trying to not have it. And totally get it. And I've heard that from so many particularly young women mm -hmm. who say they knew they would pay the price for not wearing their compression, but they just wanted to look like everybody else. In, in, in a way, like, it's like you want to blend in and be everyone else, but you also want to stand out in the way that you stand out. So you're also trying to be yourself. And I, I think like many women, even whether or not they, they think so or not, some women would say maybe they're not into fashion, but you express yourself through fashion. You just do. You know, whether it's that I want to wear sweatpants that day or if I want to dress up that day, I'm expressing myself. It's an extension of my personality. And my personality and what I wanted to portray was altered every day and still is to some extent by my lymphedema. So that was something that was really hard to navigate. Um, it was also, you know, you're always comparing yourself. It, more so when you're younger, I think, than when you're more secure. As, as right now, I don't really spend too much time comparing myself. But um, back then, you know, it's it's inevitable. And um, when you're not like every other female and or anyone else that you see, it's it's really hard to feel comfortable. And how do I date? Do I tell someone about this? And how that seems it's it was just a lot. Our mutual friend, Cam Aiello, was just on the Wendy Williams show, and he was saying, I tell the people I date right up front, because if I'm going to take a vow in sickness and in health, you need to know what you're getting into here. Right. But it took him, and look, he was diagnosed at age 11. Yeah. He had a whole lot of time to yeah. adopt and embrace and accept who he was. How did you finally get to that point? Um... I think it it wasn't gracefully. Um, I think people might like to think that when they see the end product sometimes of the things I've accomplished, but it's still not graceful, you know? Um, but it was definitely harder in the beginning. So I had moved home after I graduated from college, home being Minneapolis. And at that time I met a man named Patrick Carson, who obviously you can tell I eventually married with my last name being Carson. But at the time, I, he was just a guy that I had gone on a blind date with who was, had, he had a mutual friend. And I 
decided on this blind date to not wear my garment under jeans because it was just so uncomfortable and I wanted to feel like good. So I'm not going to wear my garment. By the end of the night, I was limping a little and he could tell. And he said something. He's like, are you okay? I, it looks like you're limping. And I was like, I think that's probably one of the last times I didn't wear a garment, by the way. But um, I was like, yeah, um, I just told him. I was like, I have this thing with my leg and I tried to explain it the best I could. And um, I think the reason I told him is because I could just, you know, meet people and you can tell. This one's a keeper. Yeah, he cared, he wanted to listen. And I told him, and the thing that I say about Patrick is that he was over my lymphedema before I was. He, it didn't bother him in the least. He saw me for me and my lymphedema didn't come before that. For me, when I looked at me, when I look at myself at that, especially back then, I see my lymphedema first before I see me sometimes. Um, he, that was opposite for him. So in a sense, I had to catch up to him. Um, and as we continued dating, there was a time, it was, it was a pivotal moment for me and it, it shifted everything for me. I was managing my symptoms, but I was doing it begrudgingly every morning, unwrapping my leg, putting on my garment. But the worst for me, it was at night when I'd have to, you know, sometimes I have to roll my bandages and it was just so much. And then I have to like, you know, everybody knows you put the foam on and all this, the whole process took a long time for me. And I just wanted to go to sleep. I just want to brush my teeth. I don't want that to be the worst thing I have to do and go to sleep. And I couldn't. And I, I started to cry. And I told him, I just, I don't want to do this. I can't imagine that I have to do this the rest of my life. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sick of it. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I've only known you for six months, but in those six months, I already know, I, I hate to say this to you, but if anyone needs, if anyone has, has lymphedema and has to deal with it, it's, it's gotta be you. You're the strongest person I know. He's like, if I had lymphedema, I would be, it would be out of control. My leg would be completely messed up. I would be having cellulitis all the time. Like it would be horrible. He's like, you are the strongest person I know. And I'm sorry to say it, but you're the best person to have lymphedema. And I was like, thanks at first. <laughs> but what then, a nudge though. What a nudge because yeah. he spoke to that fighter inside yeah. of you and it pivoted from something that you begrudgingly did to something you aggressively did. Yes. Embraced it. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I did. And it, it started, I started to see it more as I saw it when I was an athlete. I mean, I wasn't just a sprinter. I was a gymnast for 10 years before I was a sprinter. So the way I would attack those things and the, and the goals that I had in those, in those avenues in my life, it wasn't easy to do the things that I did to, to accomplish things I did in those sports, but I did it because I knew that the end goal was worth it. And so it was the same thing with lymphedema where it's not easy to take care of my leg day in, day out, make sure that my garments are washed and ready to go the next day, make sure that my bandages are, you know, ready to get on my leg at night, all those different things. But I do it because I know that the end goal is, you know, I'm rewarded with being able to live a more comfortable existence, um, to feel more myself, to be able to put things on clothes-wise that feel more like me. Mm. It's worth it. So, so not just comfortable, but downright fierce. When I see your Instagram photos, my goodness, 
power, strength, resilience. Yes. I see all of that in your photos. So you stopped running competitively as a senior in college, but somewhere this all came back. I start, yeah. I, I think with first starting to take care of my leg, I thought to myself, I'm doing pretty good at this. Let me just start walking. I literally started by walking. So in the mornings I get up and I would channel my mom who loves to walk and just, you know, I knew, I knew what I could do or what I had done, but I'm going to just walk and be okay with that and see how my leg handles it. It was fine. I'd walk for 30 minutes in the morning before I went to work and that was good. And then I started being like, let me walk and then run a little bit and then walk in the end. And then let me just run for half an hour. So the way that I started getting back into being an athlete was just baby stepping and just kind of assessing how it affected my leg. If it was okay and it didn't seem like it made it uh, the situation worse, I would maybe add a little bit more here and there. I started weightlifting. Um, and so any, anything I did with my fitness, my journey, was, it didn't feel like I was being an athlete. I was just, I was just kind of adding in fitness. I wasn't trying to be an athlete. I was just trying to add in fitness. But the athlete in me had never died. Um, in fact, the athlete in me was very upset with the way that my athletic career ended. And at the time I was, um, I mean, I can fast forward to about when I, I, I had, I had a, I moved to New York, I got my master's, I came back um, to Minnesota and all that time I was adding in fitness. But while I was fitnessing, I was thinking of me being an athlete and wishing that I could do something to, to show my athletic ability, but I was past an age of college athletics and all that stuff. Um, and one day when I had moved back from getting my master's, I, I ran by a CrossFit gym. It was new back then. It was about 2010 and I walked in and there was a, a guy sitting in the middle who owned the gym. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. I'm just curious. And he said, it's CrossFit. Did you want to stay for a workout? And I said, sure. And I stayed for a workout and it felt like home because it was a mix of gymnastics and aerobic activity. It was a mix of who I was. I, I lifted weights. I could, I was a gymnast. I ran track. So all these things we were doing felt like perfect. When the workout was over, he came to me and he said, I can see you have a talent. Nobody walks in and can do the things that you could do. And I was like, yeah, you know, I just like to work out, whatever, trying to downplay the fact that I felt the same way. And uh, he said, there's a thing called the CrossFit Games. It's the pinnacle of our sport. Not many people can make it to. It's the World Games. I know this is crazy. I'm going to send you some videos. I think you can be a CrossFit Games athlete. And I was like, whoa. Like, I, this guy didn't even know I had lymphedema. I was wearing, like, long running pants, you know. Isn't that um, beautiful? He didn't need to know. No, he didn't know. Once again, not something that he cared about. <laughs> but... I was aware that I'm like, there's, in my head, I was like, I want to, I want to, but there's no way I have lymphedema, is what I was thinking. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I went home and watched the videos and I showed Patrick. I'm like, yeah, I went to this gym. This guy wants me to do this stuff. Look at this crazy stuff these girls do. Like, he was showing me some CrossFit Games footage from like 2009 or something. And I was like, I cannot do that. There's no way. So um, I just went to CrossFit. I would go and do it. And he would kind of like say things like, oh, you still, you can be competitive. I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go and compete a little bit while I'm in class and then go home. 
Okay, I want to just stop for a minute because there are people watching who have dreams in their heart that they are squelching or putting on the back burner or saying, I can't because of lymphedema. And I just so appreciate your candor and your honesty in saying, I missed being an athlete, but here I was presented with an opportunity. I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. So what is meant for you will not miss you. And I want to encourage everybody in the audience about that. If it is a dream of your heart, I don't believe it is put there to be frustrated. It is there to bloom. And so I can't wait to hear how this bloomed for you, Deborah. Well, I would say it's a lot like how I started doing fitness where I walked first. And I just, I think when, I'll, when that coach in the gym kind of put that little dream in my head of maybe going to the CrossFit Games. And I told myself I can't have lymphedema. There was definitely another person in me that was like, you have to do this. Like, it's going to happen. And I was like talking to myself like, yes, I know. But let me baby stuff my way there. <laughs> so I just kind of went to the gym, tested out myself in most of the workouts. He programmed CrossFit's a mix of weightlifting and gymnastics and running and all sorts of things. Um, that can be melded into a workout. And sometimes it's just one thing melted in, you know, it's so it can be anything and all things. I was fine. My leg was fine. Still, no one knew I had lymphedema at the gym. I would wear long Lulu pants and no one knew. Um, and quietly by myself, um, and I kind of mentioned something to Patrick back then. I think he was still just my boyfriend. Um, I said, you know, the CrossFit game season in 2011, I think I might, I think I want to try to compete in it, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, so it starts with the CrossFit Games Open, and I signed up for the Open, and I told the coach, I was like, hey, I signed up for the Open, he's like, you did? I'm like, yep, signed up for the Open, so first workout, it's like five weeks long of a worldwide competition, anyone can enter the Open, and at the end of the five weeks, if in your region, you're in the top I think it was 40 or something, you could go to regionals. And then from regionals, if you're in the top three, you can go to the games. So at the end of the first five weeks, I ended up number one in the region. <laughs> I mean, I saw it coming because obviously five weeks of every workout, I was like, huh, I got second in that workout. Okay. Next workout next week, I got first in that workout. And then it started becoming real. I was like, I'm going to make to regionals. There's no way I'm not going to get top 40. So I think I should back up in the, in the last workout, the fifth workout of um, the open. I knew I was going to go to regionals. I wore for the first time capri pants, capri, like, um, I guess you could say, what are they, tight pants or whatever. And so you could see from my calf down, or so my, my, yeah, from my calf down that I was wearing a garment. New to everybody. Everybody was like, say, what's on your leg there? And it was, it was my, it was really hard to walk into the gym finally. And it was, it was, I felt like I was nervous for the workout, but I was more nervous for everyone staring and wondering, but it felt like liberating, you know? Um, I almost felt naked, but you know, it, it felt great to be like, yes, I've been doing this with lymphedema. 
And it's like, you say it, but then they're like, say what now? <laughs> and then you have to explain it, what lymphedema is. And um, my coach, I remember he was looking at me and he was like, I've just never like seen your legs like, before, you know, it was more like I've always been covered. Um, and then even it fast forwarded to when I made it to regionals, I, I wore shorts. So there was a lot of like, um, I remember the first comment was like, what do you have like a robo leg? Like, what is that? Like, oh, you forgot your pant leg and just a lot of comments about. Okay, I just want to smack those people yeah, right now. Like, but I love that you said yes to that voice that was nudging you. And then it led to this unveiling where you could fully show everybody who you are and what an, a source of inspiration for the people watching to know that lymphedema did not limit yeah. you. Yeah. I at no point when I had been diagnosed with lymphedema thought that I was going to be some kind of a person who people would be inspired by or that I'd have, uh, you know, some people wanting to look up to me and how I manage my, I never thought that would be who I would be. But once I got to a place where a lot of eyes were on me and I could possibly make it to the World Games, it became everything I wanted. I wanted to make sure that anyone that thought they couldn't do you know, what they thought they were going to do, who was diagnosed with lymphedema, to know that it, you can. It takes a little bit more work, but the little bit more work that it takes gives you that edge. So, you know, while everyone else is so worried about, you know, what they're eating or how they're training, like, I'm also worried about my leg. And I felt like the fact that I had more going on gave me an edge. Like, I, like, you can throw anything at me, and I will tackle it. I promise to you what I have to do is worse than what you have to do is kind of how I gave myself a, a, like I had a little chip on my shoulder, but it was giving me a nudge. So, um, so I went to regionals and I made it to the games my first year. I made it to the world CrossFit games and I was 31 at the time. I was very much older than a lot of the women that I competed against who were in their younger or early twenties. So that was also that's another uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm a lot older than you guys, and here I am. But I, uh, I felt like if you want to find that, their their slogan was to find the fittest in the world. I was like, if you want to find the fittest in the world, you're not doing it without me. So um, I felt like I, I needed to be there, and I had to be there, lymphedema or not, I needed to be there. So um, yeah, this was 2011, right? 2011, yes, ten years ago, and you've only. Well, and yes, at some point I did retire from competing at, you know, a certain point. Um, but this is me and I just happen to have this here um, because my daughter, my daughters now, I have two daughters, wanted to see me compete. And this is one of like my most iconic photos of me at the 2011 games. Uh, wow. They pulled me aside and wanted to take a picture of me before I started. So you can see I very proudly have no issue wearing my garment. Um, out in public it's actually more comfortable in many ways to wear shorts with your garment because there's no restriction um at least for me the way my lymphedema works like shorts if sometimes if I wear capris it can creates like an extra uh, too much uh, compression at my knee so I actually prefer to wear shorts um I have to ask you what did your daughters say when they saw that photo I mean 
my daughters are the same as my husband where they don't see lymphedema. They see me, um, obviously they think it's, it's, it's all they know, you know, just interesting. So they've never seen me without it. And, um, obviously they think I look really, mom is really strong. Mom's really strong. I'm like, yeah, you know, you are mom too. is really strong. You are you me. Know, I am you. You are too. That's what I say. <laughs> even taking lymphedema out of the equation, so many times we are so critical of ourselves. And so what we think is so pronounced, nobody else even notices. Mm -hmm. Or if they do, our own comfortability with it affects the energy with how people interact with this. So I think the lesson you're teaching your children is everybody's got something. I didn't let it limit me and don't let whatever you perceive as being imperfect affect you. And I think that's a message for all young girls, women, everyone. We all yeah, got yeah. something, but love who you are. Yes. It's one of the, the blessings of, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster having lymphedema. I'm not always on a high. Um, but one of the blessings of having it while having children is I just automatically teach them so many lessons about, especially little girls, you know, how to be yourself, how not to compare yourself, um, what really matters, um, what doesn't matter, you know, and it's just ju all by having a chronic condition, um, and, and doing what I do every morning, how to have discipline, you know, and mommy, why do you wrap your leg every day? Because I, I have to in order for me to have a good day with you tomorrow, you know, so I'm not worrying about that and just do how you do what you have to do and and how you are rewarded then in the end, even the smallest little goals, you still have to do what you have to do. So, you know, I always liken it to like, for them, like brushing your teeth, you know, and like, you ever want to brush your teeth, but your teeth will fall out if you don't. <laughs> so, okay, I'll brush them. Exactly. So that's why I take care of my leg because it will not be well if I don't. <laughs> I know that many of our viewers are saying, how can I follow this amazing woman? And you can see her posts on Instagram at D Cordner Carson. And I'll put a graphic up as we're running out of time. What words would you give to someone watching who maybe has had the rug pulled out from under them or their dreams because of lymphedema? Well, um, I'd say the first thing you can do is just concentrate on what you can control. Um, is there going to be emotion behind everything that you do when it comes to lymphedema? Absolutely. Um, there is. Um, that part is inevitable. You're going to feel some kind of way about your lymphedema every single day. Given that, what can you control still? Um, when I focus on little things like that, it helps me get from one step to the next. And um, that's how I tackle it. Even down to, can I take care of my leg today? Just do that. You know, we know that it's something that there really is not necessarily an end in sight. There are some surgery options, but you know, they're not available to everybody and they don't always work 100% for everybody and all those different things you don't need to think about. Just take care of your leg today. Um, once you can get past taking care of your leg, you can start opening it up to coming back to who you are and really thinking about what it is you want out of life, regardless of your lymphedema. Who you want to be, what you want to present to the world, what goals you have are more important 
than worrying about taking care of your leg. Those things will come. Just take care of your leg. You have to take care of your leg. And it's, it's so beautiful on the other side. Um, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying there aren't gonna be days. I still, to this day, have days where it is, my window of tolerance is small because I wake up and maybe my leg isn't doing that well. And those days come and go and good days will be there. You just always know that if you can tackle and do what you can do that day for your leg, you can then move on to be who you need to be that day. So. I want you to know that you're remarkable and you know this, but you're remarkable. You are inspiring. And I know you're doing a service for many people out there with lymphedema. It was a privilege to interview you and I hope to continue the conversation and use this platform or any platform to help tell your story. Cause I have a feeling the best is yet to come. <laughs> There's more stuff coming your way and I am going to be applauding. And so will our audience. And I want to thank you for tuning in to this edition of the lymphedema channel for more inspiring stories like Deborah Carson's, please subscribe to our channel here on YouTube, follow us on social media. And if you know someone whose story deserves to be told, send them my way, bviola at medsoulsupplier.com. Until then, thank you and Deborah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this edition of our Lymphedema one-on-one -on -one interview series. You can watch the video on TLC, the Lymphedema channel on YouTube, or on Instagram IGTV at lympha underscore press. For information on the most advanced pneumatic compression therapy in the world, visit lymphapress.com.